This podcast is meant for Sociology 240, Global Social Issues at Springfield College. If Afghanistan was not so embroiled in war, it would be one of the best archaeological sites on the planet. But sociologically, there is a lot to discuss. In this project, I will be talking about gender inequality, education disparities, and healthcare-related issues in Afghanistan. Of course, the analysis of the country would not be complete without an understanding of the history and ongoing conflict in the area. So, let's start with a quick history lesson on Afghanistan. Afghanistan is a nation of 37 million people. It has one of the fastest growing populations on the planet and will soon be more populous than either Canada or Poland. It is bordered by Iran, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, China, and Pakistan. Afghanistan is located at the strategic crossroads as it connects Iranian Central and East Asian civilizations to India. Afghanistan is one of the most mountainous areas in the world. However, it is also home to a vast network of rivers and infertile valleys carved out by the massive snowmelt flowing from the Hindu Kush and other mountain ranges which enveloped the country more than 4,000 years ago. Afghanistan's ancient past is one of the world's largest mysteries, as the area has probably been occupied for more than 3,500 years. From Alexander's empire to its deviation to multiple kingdoms, the area of Afghanistan had a flourishing culture that was a unique amalgamation of Greek, Iranian, Indian, and other Central Asia cultures. Since then, many empires have risen from Afghanistan. In the 1960s, Afghanistan had over 99 Muslim-granted equality for women. Women were allowed to drive, travel, and could also work for the government. In 1973, the then-king was removed in a bloodless coup. In 1979, the USSR army invaded Afghanistan, and mid-same year, the U.S. started supporting the anti-Soviet Afghans, Mujahideen, and alongside Saudi Arabia, provided billions in cash and weapons to the fighters. After a decade of war, in 1989, the Soviet army withdrew from the country. The 10-year Soviet-Afghan war killed approximately 2 million Afghans and displaced about 6 million in Pakistan and India. In 1992, the civil war began, with Pakistan's military and Saudi Arabia financially supporting the Taliban. After multiple economic and political turbulence, wars and government overthrows, the Taliban, an Islamic fundamentalist group, gained control of most of the country in 1996. The Taliban used an extremist interpretation of Islam to assert repressive control of society. The economy remained in ruins and most government services ceased. The Taliban granted the Arab terrorist organization Al-Qaeda the right to use Afghanistan as a base. As Al-Qaeda committed a series of international terrorist acts culminating in attacks on the United States on September 11, 2001, the Taliban rejected international pressure to surrender Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden. When the U.S. and allies attacked Afghanistan in the fall of 2001, the Taliban government collapsed, but Taliban and al-Qaeda leaders escaped. During the 1996-2001 to 2001 Taliban rule, the Taliban enforced a strict interpretation of Sharia, 
which is a religious law forming part of the Islamic tradition. The Taliban put a complete ban on women working outside the home and took away the opportunity for them to be educated after the age of eight. In December of 2001, Afghan leaders in exile signed the Bonn Agreement, forming an interim government, the Afghan Interim Administration, under the leadership of Pashtun moderate Hamid Karzai. In 2002, Karzai was selected president of the Transitional Islamic State of Afghanistan, whose ruling council included desperate leaders of the anti-Taliban Northern Alliance. A new constitution, written by a specially conveyed loyal jirga of Constituent Assembly of Regional Leaders, was ratified in early 2004. In October 2004, an overwhelming popular vote elected Karzai president of the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. However, Regional warlords in large areas of Afghanistan remained beyond the control of the Karzai government. Despite substantial international aid, the Afghan government, which included representatives from many factions, was unable to address numerous social and economic problems. The parliamentary elections of September 2005 gave regional warlords substantial power in both houses of the National Assembly, further jeopardizing Karzai's ability to unite the country. The Bonn Agreement collapsed after the 2005 elections. In the meantime, the resurgent Taliban intensified terrorist activities in areas beyond government control, particularly the southeastern provinces. In mid-2006, the NATO forces turned back a Taliban offensive aimed at Kandahar. However, beginning in 2007, the Taliban utilized safe havens in adjacent Pakistan to gradually restore and expand its control in Afghanistan. In early 2008, the Taliban controlled an estimated 10% of the country, while the government controlled only an estimated 30%. Local tribes controlled the remaining territory. Despite U.S.-aided efforts to reduce cultivation of poppies for narcotics production, in 2007 and 2008, that crop accounted for an increasing percentage of Afghanistan's economy and was a major support of the Taliban. In mid-2008, a new international conference in support of Afghanistan reaffirmed international commitments to the country's economic and political stability, but demanded improved coordination of aid and reduced corruption. Meanwhile, widespread economic hardships increasingly weakened the Karzai government's support among the population. Since then, the war continued and numerous lives were lost. Only recently did the peace talks between the U.S. and Taliban progress. Afghanistan continues to be considered an unsafe country, and life there is very harsh, especially for women and girls. Women and girls in Afghanistan continue to face widespread discrimination and human rights abuses. The country ranks among the least favorable on the gender inequality index, and the literacy rate for women is among the lowest in the world. Violence against women and girls is rife, and the majority don't even go to school. Conflict physical and financial insecurity, and lack of education act as drivers of harmful gender attitudes and practices and perpetuate the cycle of violence against women. We're all handcuffed in this country, said Khadija in her interview for the Times Magazine article. This article shows the hardships of being a woman in Afghanistan and indicates that the country may still be the worst place in the world to be a woman. Women in Afghanistan are struggling to live with dignity and are abused both physically and emotionally and receive little to no assistance from the authorities.
the social, political, and humanitarian crises that Afghanistan faces critically affect the fragile education system, as the shortages of schools and insufficient transportation are obstacles that many children have to face. According to UNICEF, Afghanistan's education system has been devastated by more than three decades of sustained conflict, and it is estimated that 3.7 million children are out of school, with 60% of them being girls. And the children who do make it to school often receive a low quality of education because only 48% of the teachers have the minimum academic qualifications. For many, completing primary school continues to be a dream. Despite Afghan government and international donor efforts since 2001 to educate girls, an estimated two-thirds of Afghan girls do not attend school. 87% of Afghan women are illiterate, while 70-80% to 80 face forced marriage, many before the age of 16. UNICEF and other organizations are working to promote equality across programs in many ways, both independently and with some governmental agencies. These are not just numbers from the internet. Published today, May 8th, powerful explosions outside a high school in Afghanistan's capital, Kabul, on Saturday killed at least 50 people and wounded scores more, many of them teenage girls leaving class in a gruesome attack that underscored fears about the nation's future after the impending American troop withdrawal. Access to education is a right for every child. A strong education system is key to getting more children in school keeping them there, and helping them become healthy and responsible citizens. The goal should be get more children to school, improving quality education, improving institutional capacity, and emergency preparedness and response. This is work that should happen at the national, provincial, and community levels in close collaboration with the Afghan Ministry of Education and other international partners. The focus should be on the most vulnerable people in disadvantaged areas, particularly girls, to compact the lack of learning caused by poverty, discrimination, and conflict. Moving on now, it's time to talk about Afghanistan's healthcare system. The continued war and conflict over the last decades have led to healthcare workers' severe shortages, mainly caused by outmigration, poor and unequal distribution in rural compared to urban settings, and lack of capacities for formal development of professional cadres. There are only 7.26 doctors, nurses, and midwives per 10,000 people. Since Afghanistan's humanitarian situation has not improved and in some areas has worsened in recent years, it is an urgent priority to ensure greater access to free, high-quality health care and respond to the acute medical needs of all citizens. It is evident that this can only be achieved by strengthening infrastructure, supporting workforce education, delivering technology, and securing peace. Poverty and high out-of-pocket expenditure put care out of reach for many Afghans. Thus, addressing social determinants of health is crucial. It is very important to address that conflict and terrorism are leading causes not just for physical but also mental disabilities. Post-traumatic stress disorder is widespread, affecting not just those in combat. Many mothers, children, and adolescents also live with depression and anxiety. Insecurity is a major barrier to accessing care. So in the future, Afghanistan should not just focus on physical health care, but also mental health care for its citizens. Although the COVID-19 pandemic revealed an increasing need for primary health care strengthening, Afghanistan has shown that progress on some health indicators is possible. 
but much remains to be done. Basic healthcare services remain out of reach for 23% of the population, and performance on healthcare access and quality is extremely poor. This is a concern in an era of emerging health challenges and virus outbreaks. With a Sustainable Development Goal Index of 21, it ranks very poorly amongst other countries, reinforcing the importance of continued dedication to the health and development agenda. Strong donor support will be a key enabler, but civilians and tribe leaders must also create an internal environment for constructive dialogue. The resilience has contributed to the country's progress under extremely difficult conditions. Unified and peaceful approaches will protect and build on the country's gains.